chapter six part two of the step by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter six part two over their porridge they were all silent thinking of what they had just heard life is terrible and marvellous and so however terrible a story you tell in russia however you embroider it with nests of robbers long knives and such marvels it always finds an echo of reality in the soul of the listener and only a man who has been a good deal affected by education looks askance distrustfully and even he will be silent the cross by the roadside the dark bales of wool the wide expanse of the plain and the lot of the men gathered together by the camp-fire all this was of itself so marvellous and terrible that the fantastic colours of legend and fairy-tale were pale and blended with life all the others ate out of the cauldron but Pantale sat apart and ate his porridge out of a wooden bowl his spoon was not like those the others had but was made of cypress wood with a little cross on it yegorushka looking at him thought of the little ikon-glass and asked stiopka softly why does grandfather sit apart he is an old believer stiopka and vasya answered in a whisper and as they said it they looked as though they were speaking of some secret vice or weakness all sat silent thinking after the terrible stories there was no inclination to speak of ordinary things all at once in the midst of the silence vasya drew himself up and fixing his lustreless eyes on one point pricked up his ears what is it dimov asked him someone is coming answered vasya where do you see him yonder there's something white there was nothing to be seen but darkness in the direction in which vasya was looking every one listened but they could hear no sound of steps is he coming by the high road asked dimov no over the open country he is coming this way a minute passed in silence and maybe it's the merchant who was buried here walking over the steps said dimov all looked askance at the cross exchanged glances and suddenly broke into a laugh they felt ashamed of their terror why should he walk asked pantale it's only those walk at night whom the earth will not take to herself and the merchants were all right the merchants have received the crown of martyrs but all at once they heard the sound of steps someone was coming in haste he's carrying something said vasya they could hear the grass rustling and the dry twigs crackling under the feet of the approaching wayfarer but from the glare of the camp-fire nothing could be seen at last the steps sounded close by and someone coughed the flickering light seemed to part a veil dropped from the wagoner's eyes and they saw a man facing them whether it was due to the flickering light or because everyone wanted to make out the man's face first of all it happened strangely enough that at the first glance at him they all saw first of all not his face nor his clothes but his smile it was an extraordinarily good-natured broad soft smile like that of a baby on waking one of those infectious smiles to which it is difficult not to respond by smiling too the stranger when they did get a good look at him turned out to be a man of thirty ugly and in no way remarkable he was a tall little russian with a long nose long arms and long legs everything about him seemed long except his neck which was so short that it made him seem stooping he was wearing a clean white shirt with an embroidered collar white trousers and new high boots 
and in comparison with the waggoners he looked quite a dandy in his arms he was carrying something big white and at the first glance strange-looking and the stock of a gun also peeped out from behind his shoulder coming from the darkness into the circle of light he stopped short as though petrified and for half a minute looked at the waggoners as though he would have said just look what a smile i have then he took a step towards the fire smiled still more radiantly and said bread and salt friends you are very welcome pantalet answered for them all the stranger put down by the fire what he was carrying in his arms it was a dead bustard and greeted them once more they all went up to the bustard and began examining it a fine big bird what did you kill it with asked dimov grape shot you can't get him with small shot he won't let you get near enough buy it friends i will let you have it for twenty kopecks what use would it be to us it's good roast but i bet it would be tough boiled you could not get your teeth into it oh what a pity i would take it to the gentry at the farm they would give me half a rouble for it but it's a long way to go twelve miles the stranger sat down took off his gun and laid it beside him he seemed sleepy and languid he sat smiling and screwing up his eyes at the firelight apparently thinking of something very agreeable they gave him a spoon he began eating who are you dimov asked him the stranger did not hear the question he made no answer and did not even glance at dimov most likely this smiling man did not taste the flavour of the porridge either for he seemed to eat it mechanically lifting the spoon to his lips sometimes very full and sometimes quite empty he was not drunk but he seemed to have something nonsensical in his head i ask who you are repeated dimov i so the unknown starting konstantin zvonik from rovno it's three miles from here and anxious to show straight off that he was not quite an ordinary peasant but something better konstantin hastened to add we keep bees and fatten pigs do you live with your father or in a house of your own no now i am living in a house of my own i have parted this month just after st peter's day i got married i am a married man now it's eighteen days since the wedding oh that's a good thing said pantalet marriage is a good thing god's blessing is on it his young wife sits at home while he rambles about the steppe laughed kiruha queer chap as though he had been pinched on the tenderest spot konstantin started laughed and flushed crimson but lord she is not at home he said quickly taking the spoon out of his mouth and looking round at every one with an expression of delight and wonder she is not she has gone to her mother's for three days yes indeed she has gone away and i feel as though i were not married konstantin waved his hand and turned his head he wanted to go on thinking but the joy which beamed in his face prevented him as though he were not comfortable he changed his attitude laughed and again waved his hand he was ashamed to share his happy thoughts with strangers but at the same time he had an irresistible longing to communicate his joy she has gone to demidovo to see her mother he said blushing and moving his gun she'll be back to-morrow she said she would be back to dinner and do you miss her said dimov oh lord yes i should think so we've only been married such a little while and she's gone away eh oh but she is a tricksy one god strike me dead she is such a fine splendid girl such a one for laughing and singing full of life and fire when she is there your brain is in a whirl and now she is away i wander about the steppe like a fool as though i had lost something i've been walking since dinner konstantin rubbed his eyes looked at the fire and laughed 
you love her then said panteley oh she is so fine and splendid konstantin repeated not hearing him such a housewife clever and sensible you wouldn't find another like her among simple folk in the whole province she's gone away but she is missing me i know i know the little magpie she said she would be back to-morrow by dinner-time and just think how queer konstantin almost shouted speaking a note higher and shifting his position now she loves me and is sad without me and yet she would not marry me but eat said kiruha she would not marry me konstantin went on not heeding him i have been struggling with her for three years i saw her at the kalachik fair i fell madly in love with her was ready to hang myself i live at rovno she at demidovo more than twenty miles apart and there was nothing i could do i sent matchmakers to her and all she said was i won't ah the magpie i sent her one thing and another earrings and cakes and twenty pounds of honey but still she said i won't and there it was if you come to think of it i was not a match for her she was young and lovely full of fire while i am old i shall soon be thirty and a regular beauty too a fine beard like a goat's a clear complexion all covered with pimples how could i be compared with her the only thing to be said is that we are well off but the varamenskys are well off too they've six oxen and they keep a couple of labourers i was in love friends as though i were plague-stricken i couldn't sleep or eat my brain was full of thoughts and in such a maze lord preserve us i longed to see her and she was in demidovo what do you think god be my witness i am not lying three times a week i walked over there on foot just to have a look at her i gave up my work i was so frantic that i even wanted to get taken on as a labourer in demidovo so as to be near her i was in misery my mother called in a witch a dozen times my father tried thrashing me for three years i was in this torment and then i made up my mind damn my soul i said i will go to the town and be a cabman it seems it is fated not to be at easter i went to demidovo to have a last look at her konstantin threw back his head and went off into a mirthful tinkling laugh as though he had just taken someone in very cleverly i saw her by the river with the lads he went on i was overcome with anger i called her aside and maybe for a full hour i said all manner of things to her she fell in love with me for three years she did not like me she fell in love with me for what i said to her what did you say to her asked dimov what did i say i don't remember how could one remember my words flowed at the time like water from a tap without stopping to take breath ta 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 and now i can't utter a word well so she married me she's gone now to her mother's the magpie and while she is away here i wander over the steppe i can't stay at home it's more than i can do konstantin awkwardly released his feet on which he was sitting stretched himself on the earth and propped his head in his fists then got up and sat down again every one by now thoroughly understood that he was in love and happy poignantly happy his smile his eyes and every movement expressed fervent happiness he could not find a place for himself and did not know what attitude to take to keep himself from being overwhelmed by the multitude of his delightful thoughts having poured out his soul before these strangers he settled down quietly at last and looking at the fire sank into thought at the sight of this happy man every one felt depressed and longed to be happy too every one was dreamy dimov got up walked about softly by the fire 
and from his walk from the movement of his shoulder-blades it could be seen that he was weighed down by depression and yearning he stood still for a moment looked at konstantin and sat down the camp-fire had died down by now there was no flicker and the patch of red had grown small and dim and as the fire went out the moonlight grew clearer and clearer now they could see the full width of the road the bales of wool the shafts of the wagons the munching horses on the further side of the road there was the dim outline of the second cross dimov leaned his cheek on his hand and softly hummed some plaintive song konstantin smiled drowsily and chimed in with a thin voice they sang for half a minute then sank into silence emelyan started jerked his elbows and wriggled his fingers lads he said in an imploring voice let's sing something sacred tears came into his eyes lads he repeated pressing his hands on his heart let's sing something sacred i don't know anything said konstantin everyone refused and emelyan sang alone he waved both arms nodded his head opened his mouth but nothing came from his throat but a discordant gasp he sang with his arms with his head with his eyes even with the swelling on his face he sang passionately with anguish and the more he strained his chest to extract at least one note from it the more discordant were his gasps yegorushka like the rest was overcome with depression he went to his wagon clambered up on the bales and lay down he looked at the sky and thought of happy konstantin and his wife why did people get married what were women in the world for yegorushka put the vague questions to himself and thought that a man would certainly be happy if he had an affectionate merry and beautiful woman continually living at his side for some reason he remembered the countess dranitsky and thought it would probably be very pleasant to live with a woman like that he would perhaps have married her with pleasure if that idea had not been so shameful he recalled her eyebrows the pupils of her eyes her carriage the clock with the horseman the soft warm night moved softly down upon him and whispered something in his ear and it seemed to him that it was that lovely woman bending over him looking at him with a smile and meaning to kiss him nothing was left of the fire but two little red eyes which kept on growing smaller and smaller konstantin and the wagoners were sitting by it dark motionless figures and it seemed as though there were many more of them than before the twin crosses were equally visible and far far away somewhere by the high road there gleamed a red light other people cooking their porridge most likely our mother russia is the head of all the world kiruha sang out suddenly in a harsh voice choked and subsided the steppe echo caught up his voice carried it on and it seemed as though stupidity itself were rolling on heavy wheels over the steppe it's time to go said Pantelay. get up lads while they were putting the horses in konstantin walked by the wagons and talked rapturously of his wife good-bye mates he cried when the wagon started thank you for your hospitality i shall go on again towards that light it's more than i can stand and he quickly vanished in the mist and for a long time they could hear him striding in the direction of the light to tell those other strangers of his happiness when yegorushka woke up next day it was early morning the sun had not yet risen the wagons were at a standstill a man in a white cap and a suit of cheap grey material mounted on a little cossack stallion was talking to dimov and kiruha beside the foremost wagon 
a mile and a half ahead there were long low white barns and little houses with tiled roofs there were neither yards nor trees to be seen beside the little houses what village is that grandfather asked yegorushka that's the armenian settlement youngster answered Pantelay. the armenians live there they are a good sort of people the armenians are the man in grey had finished talking to dimov and kiruha he pulled up his little stallion and looked across towards the settlement what a business only think sighed Pantelay, looking towards the settlement too and shuddering at the morning freshness he has sent a man to the settlement for some papers and he doesn't come he should have sent stiopka who is that grandfather asked yegorushka varlamov my goodness yegorushka jumped up quickly getting upon his knees and looked at the white cap it was hard to recognize the mysterious elusive varlamov who was sought by everyone who was always on his rounds and who had far more money than countess dranitsky in the short grey little man in big boots who was sitting on an ugly little nag and talking to peasants at an hour when all decent people were asleep he is all right a good man said Pantelay, looking towards the settlement god give him health a splendid gentleman semyon alexandritch it's people like that the earth rests upon that's true the cocks are not crowing yet and he is already up and about another man would be asleep or gallivanting with visitors at home but he is on the step all day on his rounds he does not let things slip no he's a fine fellow varlamov was talking about something while he kept his eyes fixed the little stallion shifted from one leg to another impatiently semyon alexandritch cried Pantelay, taking off his hat allow us to send stiopka emelian call out that stiopka should be sent but now at last a man on horseback could be seen coming from the settlement bending very much to one side and brandishing his whip above his head like a gallant young caucasian and wanting to astonish everyone by his horsemanship he flew towards the wagons with the swiftness of a bird that must be one of his circuit men said Pantelay. he must have a hundred such horsemen or maybe more reaching the first wagon he pulled up his horse and taking off his hat handed varlamov a little book varlamov took several papers out of the book read them and cried and where is ivanchuk's letter the horseman took the book back looked at the papers and shrugged his shoulders he began saying something probably justifying himself and asking to be allowed to ride back to the settlement again the little stallion suddenly stirred as though varlamov had grown heavier varlamov stirred too go along he cried angrily and he waved his whip at the man then he turned his horse round and looking through the papers in the book moved at a walking pace alongside the wagons when he reached the hindmost yegorushka strained his eyes to get a better look at him varlamov was an elderly man his face a simple russian sunburnt face with a small grey beard was red wet with dew and covered with little blue veins it had the same expression of business-like coldness as ivan ivanitch's face the same look of fanatical zeal for business but yet what a difference could be felt between him and kuzmitchov uncle ivan ivanitch always had on his face together with his business-like reserve a look of anxiety and apprehension that he would not find varlamov that he would be late that he would miss a good price nothing of that sort so characteristic of small and dependent persons could be seen in the face or figure of varlamov this man made the price himself was not looking for anyone and did not depend on anyone 
however ordinary his exterior yet in everything even in the manner of holding his whip there was a sense of power and habitual authority over the step as he rode by yegorushka he did not glance at him only the little stallion deigned to notice yegorushka he looked at him with his large foolish eyes and even he showed no interest Pantelet bowed to varlamov the latter noticed it and without taking his eyes off the sheets of paper said lisping how are you old man varlamov's conversation with the horseman and the way he had brandished his whip had evidently made an overwhelming impression on the whole party every one looked grave the man on horseback cast down at the anger of the great man remained stationary with his hat off and the rein loose by the foremost wagon he was silent and seemed unable to grasp that the day had begun so badly for him he is a harsh old man muttered pantalet it's a pity he's so harsh but he's all right a good man he doesn't abuse men for nothing it's no matter after examining the papers varlamov thrust the book into his pocket the little stallion as though he knew what was in his mind without waiting for orders started and dashed along the high road end of chapter six recording by expatria in bangor maine